Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Give back to our community. Um, you should be in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're our Rooted series um, here at Canvas Church. And, um, and we got next weekend. And then we got one more weekend after that, we'll be wrapping up our Rooted experience. Now, for some of you, it's been a true experience because it's not just Sunday morning. Uh, we're participating in Rooted small groups, have been for the last seven or eight weeks. Some of you are doing a virtual one online. And it was so cool last week at the Trunk or Treat because I'm like, I've, I don't know if I've seen you before. What group are you a part of? And they were the online group. And I thought, that's so cool. And um, so it's just been really great for our church. And here's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about principles um, of, of basic discipleship. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And that's what Rooted's been all about. Going back to the basics of what it means to be a follower of Christ, a disciple, and discovering a life of fulfillment. Um, I think it was last week I talked about, man, a, a true life of fulfillment is one that's surrendered to Christ and, uh, and doing his will. And so we've been talking about different things, about um, sharing your testimony, uh, which some people did last week at the Trunk or Treat. Um, prayer, uh, what does that mean? Why should we do it? Um, being in the Bible, being around believers, all these different principles. Well, today we're going to talk about another one, and uh, we're going to talk about money. Uh, money. How does God view money? Um, uh, are, 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 what are we supposed to do with the money? And uh, so we're going to talk about that. Now, the minute I said that, I know some of you have already checked out. Um, you know, you're like, oh, this is that one. This is the week I should have skipped. Um, but here's what we need to understand. As Christ followers, as Christians, we need to understand how God is asking us to steward his resources. How God is asking us to manage what he has placed in our hands. Uh, here's the interesting thing about money, that um, outside of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is the number one most talked about topic in all of scripture. Uh, whether it's the kingdom of God that's to come, it's the kingdom of God that's at hand, it's the kingdom of God that now is, it's the number one topic. Uh, but right after that, uh, the uh, second most mentioned topic in scripture is about finances, it's about money. Now that might not necessarily be money as you and I know it today, which is plastic or your, 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 your Apple Pay, right? Um, I think one of the coolest things ever is going into a grocery store and it's like, oh, I forgot my wallet, but I got my phone. Come on, somebody. Just hold that phone up to that thing. It vibrates. It's like, oh, it's awesome. Um, but the, the, the resources or the finances in Scripture might have been something else in the Old Testament. It could have been their grain. It could have been their livestock. Uh, it could have been a field. It could have been something like that. Um, so it's, it's the second most talked about subject or topic in Scripture. And so we're going to look at it. And, um, and, and, and see what the Bible has uh, to say. Why? Why is it the second most talked about in Scripture? I believe one of the reasons is because money has the ability to draw our heart and our attention away from God um, rather than towards him if it's given the wrong place in our life. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes 10, 19, um, it says that money answers all things. And it's like, wait, that's a Scripture in the Bible? It really is, Yeah. Um, and so what it's doing, it's showing us the power that resources, that finances, that money has. And we need to understand uh, how we are as disciples, as followers of Christ, how we are to handle the finances that he's calling us to steward. Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Uh, what's happening in Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6 is a part of... Uh, the greatest sermon Jesus ever preached. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in chapter five, wraps up in about chapter seven. And so right in the middle of this great message that Jesus is preaching, he actually talks about finances. And we're just gonna read three verses of that 
starting in verse 19. And it says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Okay, don't, don't store it up here on earth. Here's why. Where moths eat them and rust destroy them. And where thieves break in and steal. And then it gives us, here's what you ought to do, verse 20. Store treasures in heaven. And now you might be thinking to yourself right now, how do I do that? Like, I understand what it is to store up treasures here. Um, I buy a car, I take care of it. It's parked in a garage. I have a bank account and I'm putting finances in there. But how in the world do I store up treasures in heaven? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Where it says, where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to this, the next verse. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Uh, in a simpler way, another translation says where your heart is or where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Okay? Hey, don't, don't store up for yourselves here on earth. Now listen, it's, it's talking, this, this Sermon on the Mount is actually talking to everybody. This isn't just talking to the church. This isn't just talking to disciples. This is talking to everyone that was sitting there listening to the sermon that Jesus had. And he looks at the whole crowd and he's giving these great moral principles to live by. And one of them is, hey, listen, don't store up for yourselves here on earth. Listen, that's gonna be temporary. That's momentary. It can be destroyed. It can be taken away. Instead, here's what we ought to do. We ought to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. How do we do that? Here's what the Bible's saying. We ought to use our resources and our finances to help people understand who Jesus is and one day we'll meet them there in heaven. It's not talking about, man, like, hey, I'm gonna stack up this gold so when I get to heaven, I'm gonna have stacks of gold. It's not talking about there's a bank account in heaven and I'm gonna store up, you know, some finance so when I get there, man, I'm gonna go to the, the heavenly slot machine. Come on, somebody. This is what it means to store up treasures in heaven. It says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Instead of, instead of purchasing all this stuff for yourself here on earth where it can be destroyed, I want you to take that finance and I want you to pour it into the kingdom and expose people to the good news about Jesus Christ so that you'll see those faces in heaven. And then it says this, because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Pray with me this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Uh, Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would expand our thinking on the subject of money, um, that, God, more importantly, you'd work on our heart. Um, God, and, and God, you would expose any errors in our heart and in our thinking, and God, that we would walk out of here, um, Lord, maybe understanding the verses more, uh, maybe with some things to challenge us that we could wrestle through this week, and that ultimately, God, it would draw, all these, these conversations would draw us closer to you, because, God, we believe that's ultimately what you want. God, that all these topics in Scripture about money really wasn't about money. It was about where our heart is at. And so, Lord, I pray you'd help me now in this place. God, uh, create an environment for people to discover your son, Jesus, know your incredible love, and realize the amazing plan that you have for him. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. There were two guys that were on a, on a boat together, and they decided to go on this little excursion. How many guys think that sounds like fun? You just want to get on a boat on the water, one person, all right. Um, and unfortunately, a storm hit, and uh, their boat, they, they got their boat like shipwrecked on this, on this island. And when they finally came to, they made themselves onto the island, and immediately one of them was a crybaby. And it was just like, man, we're going to die. We're going to die. There's no food. There's no water. There's no shelter. There's nothing. We're going to die. And as he's crying out in anguish, at the very beginning of his shipwreck, he looks over and his buddy's just leaning up against the palm tree, all calm. And he looks over and is like, what's wrong with you, man? Don't you understand we're shipwrecked, we're gonna die? 
And the guy was like, no, it's okay. I was like, what do you mean it's okay? It's not okay. The guy was like, lean up against the palm tree. He goes, no, it's okay. I make $100,000 a week. <laughs> the guy totally confused. He's like, what good is that going to do us, man? We're on an island. There's no stores. There's no supermarkets. There's nobody here. It's just us. Man, don't you understand? We're going to die. Your money's no good here. Man, there's, there, we're, we're, we're dead. The guy just kept calmly leaning against that palm tree. and goes, no, it's okay. I'm a Christian. The guy was like, so what? What is that going to do? Who are we going to witness to? It's me and you. What, what good is it being a Christian on this? I bet we're going to die. And the guy's just freaking out. The other guy leaning up against the palm tree is like, no, no, I, I don't think I made myself clear. He goes, I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe 10% of that every week to my church. Wherever I am, my pastor is sure to find me. <laughs> now, Here's the reality. The minute I, I mentioned we're going to talk about money today, some of you immediately had a thought in your head. Whether it's your first time in a church, some people's first time in church are like, see, the church, that's all they talk about is money. Some of you grew up in the church and you already have a preconceived idea of, oh, I've had the money talk before. Pastor is going to talk about how we ought to be giving this X amount, and if not, you know, we're probably not very good Christians, and some of you just, you just immediately turn off like, man, here we go. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to join with me as we look at some scriptures. And, and, and to the best of your ability, I want you to put aside all of your preconceived notions and ideas about a church talking about finances. And I want you to come into this conversation this morning with an open heart and an open mind and say, okay, God. If, if, if the Bible talks about money, and it mentioned over 800 times in Scripture, then I want to be a good disciple, and I want to be a good follower, so God, teach me today how you would have me steward your resources. Are you with me? Can we do that today to the best of our ability? Um, because here's the thing, I, I'll just be uh, right up front, right, real honest with you. Um, I, I, and I, you'll hear more of the story as we go on, but I grew up in a certain movement and, um, and, and giving was heavily taught and heavily preached. And so I just went with that. That's just the way it is. This is just what the scripture says. And I never really dove in and fully looked at the context of which those scriptures were spoken from. And over the last 14 days as I've been studying, some of my mindset has shifted a little bit on this idea of, of finances in the church. And so some of this you're just gonna hear from me today. You ready? That was only a couple of you. Come on, you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Matthew chapter 6. Here's what we need to understand about money. A couple of things before we get into it. Number one is this. Money is not good or evil, but it is a barometer of where our heart is at. Money in and of itself. Now, I've heard people say before, like, hey, you know, money's the root of all evil. And what they do is they misinterpret uh, uh, 1 Timothy 6.10 that says this. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Okay, notice it says the love of money. It's not saying money. Why? Because money is just, it's just, it's just mad. It, it, it's not good or evil. In the right hands, in godly hands, man, it's good, right? In, in hands that, that, that are wicked, yes, money could become wicked and it could be used for wicked purposes, but money in and of itself is not good or evil, okay? 
But here's what's very clear in Scripture is that it's a barometer of where our heart is at. What do I mean by that? Well, if I came in and I'm dressed nice, which I always am, and you looked at my wife and my kids and they were just like dirty and just had tattered clothes and, and we come walking in, um, you would think something about me. You would think I don't love my family. You would think I don't care about my family. Why? Because, well, why are they clothed that way? And I know rips and jeans are like the end thing, so don't, but you'd be like, why, why are they, why are they, like, what's going on? Pastor, do you not love your family? Well, why do you ask that? Well, because look at, look at them. When's the last time they showered? Do you, do you have a home, Pastor? Are you okay? Like, what's going on? Well, why? Because I love my family. I care for them. I invest in them. I, I, I buy clothes for them. I put food on the table. Like, like you can look at, my, look at my family. Oh, oh, Pastor loves his family, right? It's a barometer of where the heart is at. If, if, we were, if we were to just all of a sudden project your bank account up on the screen, as a matter of fact, we have somebody's. We have Margo and Jeremiah's. Can we pull that? Just kidding. <laughs> we don't have that. But if we were to project that up on the screen, we could, we could look at where the, the, the money's being spent and say what's valuable to you, what's important to you. Okay? That's what the Scripture's saying. The Scripture is telling us, hey, you want to know where your heart's at? It's real simple. Where, where, are you, where, are you, where are you putting your treasure into? What are you investing your treasure into? This is what the scripture is telling us. So we need to understand that. It's not, it's not good or evil, but it's definitely a barometer of where our heart is at. The second thing before we get in fully today that we need to understand um, about money is we need to understand whose money is it ultimately? Now, I'm, I'm gonna talk now to, to some Christians and Christ followers. If you're just here checking it out, lean in and, and listen. But as a Christian and a Christ follower, we understand ultimately that the money is God's. That it's not mine. Now you might have grown up in a church that says, well, yeah, 10% of it's God's and 90% yours. Or you might have grown up in a church that said, well, it's all God's, but he's only asking for 10% of it back. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. But here's what we need to get get straight from the get-go, is as a Christian, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, we need to understand that everything I have in this earth is his. It's his. Let me, let me read you some scriptures. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, period. Okay? So if you're a follower of Christ and, you, and you're worshiping God, that, that scripture means something to you. It means that everything in this earth, man, it's his. And anything I have is by his grace. It's his. How about this one, Deuteronomy 8.18? And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. So some of us, God has blessed in such a way that they might have more wealth than you, but that's the way God uniquely designed them and, and built them and created them, and we celebrate that and honor that. We don't get jealous of it. It's God who gave them that ability and that power to do what they're doing to get their wealth, but it's the same God that gave you the power with whatever you're doing to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, um, and as it is to this day. How about this one? Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What, is, what are we saying there? We're saying, hey, look, 
the life I was living, gone. The life I now live is fully in Christ Jesus, meaning it's not my stuff. Are you with me? 1 Peter 4.10. As such, one has received a gift, minister to one another, listen to it now, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So here now, it's actually connecting the grace that flows with our finances. And we need to steward that the way God wants us to steward it. We need to steward that the way God wants us to steward it. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, we understand that everything belongs to God. Now once we understand this, we realize that we're simply stewards and everything belongs to him, we need to ask the question, God, how would you have me steward your resources? How would you have me steward the finances that you've allowed me, me to have? And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, I'm gonna share these with you today, talk about them a little bit. Um, this by no means is an exhaustive study um, because uh, all of us in our small groups, we're gonna go through some more verses and through some more thoughts. Uh, but you will walk away knowing today what the Bible says, some big, big chunks of here, here's how you need to steward. And you'll walk away uh, today knowing um, uh, my stance on that and, um, and how I live that out. All right, number one. And when I say that, I say that um, not as a, a matter of prescription, like this is the way you need to do it, but just so you walk away knowing how, how your pastor, does that make sense? <laughs> number one, uh, how do I need to steward my money? Number one, I need to take care of my family. And this isn't by any means in an order, but I need to take care of my family. So the resources, the finances that God has allowed me to have, it is my responsibility to care for my family. My wife, my children, my mom, um, uh, brothers, sisters. Now, especially in the context of those in your own house, you can extend that family as far as you want, but listen to what the Bible says. Bible says this in 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's the Bible, okay? This is what the scripture says. What does that tell me? That tells me, man, I need to make sure that, man, my priority is caring for my family. Now, this, this goes in every area of our life. As, um, as the man of the house, I'm responsible for my family spiritually. I'm, I'm responsible for my family emotionally. Now, you can only do so much. I mean, people, you know, people go through their life, but I'm responsible for my family physically and financially. I gotta care for my family. Now, uh, maybe the roles are reversed a little bit. Maybe, maybe uh, the, the wife is the main breadwinner in the family, which, is, uh, which happens in our society today. However you manage that as, as a team, or maybe you're single parent, but you're responsible. Are you with me today? You're responsible. 2 Corinthians 12, 14 says this. It says, now I'm coming to you for the third time. What, what is that telling us? It's telling us that he's trying to get something across to them for the third time. And I will not be a burden to you. I don't, want you uh, I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children do not provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. What is this talking about? It's talking about uh, financially providing for your children. The Bible even talks about that leaving an inheritance for your children and your children's children. Are you with me? 
taken care. Now here's the thing I've noticed in society today, that yeah, you might take care of, of, of your family, you might care for them, you might put shoes on their feet and clothe them and feed them and put a roof over their head, um, but there, there's this, this kind of thing in our, in our culture and in society that really stresses the idea of retirement, okay? Now listen, I'm not here to knock retirement. Um, one day I'd like to retire. But I don't wanna ever have to think through this filter of like that's the goal. The goal for me is not to work a portion of my life to get enough money so that one day I can retire, at least biblically. Are you with me? Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with retirement retirement funds, hear what I'm saying. I'm saying though the focus is, hey, are your kids gonna have enough? That's the focus. Is your family taken care of? So number one, it's how am I gonna steward it? Number one, I'm gonna take care of my, my family. Let's move on to the second one. This one we're all gonna um, not like. <laughs> number two, you're gonna pay your taxes. Now, I know, here's the deal. We can, we can sit here and complain about how high our taxes are and how outrageous they are, and when it comes to tax time, man, use wisdom and use all of the deductions you can. I think that's wise, and you should do that. Um, but some of y'all getting too creative. <laughs> are you sure we don't have another child somewhere? <laughs> you know? Some of y'all getting too creative. Why? Because you want to get out of, out, out of paying your taxes. Here's the thing. Are, are the taxes high? Sure. But, but here's the thing. That you're a part of this country. Now, I don't want to mix the country in with, with the this, this spiritual side of Scripture. It's not what I'm doing here. But when it talks about paying taxes, taxes go to the place you live. Right? And as absorbent as they might be, I still think we live in the greatest country on the planet. And even if you don't think that, here's what the scripture says. Okay, pay your taxes. Let's read it. Mark 12, 13 through 17. Later, the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus, dumb, into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teachers, the teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God, truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the Roman coin and I'll tell you. And when they handed it over to him, he asked, whose picture and title is stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. This is literally talking about, about, about the, the taxes that are due. Give it. Give that. This is the Bible saying, hey, look, man, you've got to do that. You've got to give that. Now, that might be easy for Jesus to say because when he had to pay his taxes, he went fishing and pulled a coin out of a fish's mouth. <laughs> Tried it, didn't work for me. All right? But the principle is this. The point is this. is like, hey, like, you're a part of this system. You're a part of this country. Um, you're living here, and it's, it's a pretty great country, pay your taxes. When, when, when all of a sudden tax season rolls around, don't be thinking about, you know, yes, be, use wisdom, use the deductions, use all that stuff, but you know what? At the end of the day, when you're giving those taxes, thank God for the country you live in. Are you with me? 
take care of your family, pay your taxes. Okay, here's another big one. Number three, take care of the poor. Take care of the poor. Now, everywhere in Scripture that I see, this is, this is something that the church is called upon to do. This is something that believers are called upon to do. This isn't, this isn't something like, well, this is my ministry. I have an outreach ministry to the poor. Now, some people do, and they're called there, and they, they do that full-time uh, for a living, maybe, or uh, whatever. Maybe they do it full-time, and they still have a job, whatever. They feel called. There's this compassion. But here's the reality. All of us, as Christ followers and believers, are supposed to be taking care of the poor. How do I do that? There's many ways you can do that. I'll read some verses in a minute. Uh, you can do that simply by when you see somebody in need, you feed them. I know some people, well, I don't want to give them money because then they might go spend it on the wrong thing. Don't give them money. Go buy a burger for them. Right? Help them out. Learn their name. Hear their story. Realize they're human, just like you. And then take it to the next step and say, hey, how, how can we really help this person? Right? This is something that we are to do. This is how we're to steward God's money. Okay, listen, listen to some scriptures. Proverbs 19, 17. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. How awesome is that verse? If you help the poor, someone in need, and you do that, God's going to repay you? Last time I checked, that one verse we read earlier, Everything in the earth is his. He has no lack of resources. I don't know how much he's going to repay me, when he's going to repay me, how it's going to look. If it ends up being eternity with him in heaven, that's the best. Right? But you can never go wrong with taking care of the poor because you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. 1 John 3, 17. If someone, listen to this one. This one hit me this week. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? That, that one rocked me this week as I was studying. Do you have enough to live well? Well, Pastor, I'm pretty strapped. Well, I mean, you got clothes on today. I might be wrong, but I, I, I would... I would guess that everybody ate today. You got here somehow. And I doubt you walked because there are people that go to our church that live like a house over and they still drive. <laughs> I'm not going to look at you or point you out, but I know who you are. You got gas in your tank? Right? Uh, man, I think, I think you're living well. As a matter of fact, statistically, if we compared it to the rest of the world, past, that's the rest of the world I live in the U.S., well, if we compared it to the rest of the world, you're living really well. Here's what it says. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but doesn't show compassion, how can God's love even be in that person? Now, listen to me. Like, if you're, if you're, if you're, you're hearing this and you're like, Pastor, that's kind of harsh. I'm not saying it. The Bible is. Listen, every Sunday when I get up here, I'm not giving you my thoughts and my ideas. I'm doing my best to share with you. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to another one. Acts 20, 35. 
You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than, than to receive. Luke 14, 12 to 14. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers or relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Powerful. Let's just pause for a moment and go back Old Testament real quick. Um, in the Old Testament, taking care of the poor uh, was such a big theme in God's heart and then, and then played out and displayed in the nation of Israel that when people that had, um, maybe they owned land and they would go and harvest their, their grain, that they would literally, anything that was harvested and fell off onto the ground, they had to leave for the poor. Not only that, you'll see in Scripture in the Old Testament that they left the corners of each field so that the poor could come and harvest for themselves and have. Now, listen, this wasn't a suggestion. This was actually mandated under the Mosaic Covenant. This is how you're going to harvest. And whatever falls off your wagon, you can't pick it up. And when you go to harvest, you will leave the corners of your field so that those that don't have what you have can come and glean. And what does that tell me? That tells me that, man, God has a heart for those that don't have. Are you with me? Remember the Bible, the Bible tells us in Matthew 26, 11, that the poor you will always have with you. So as stewards of God's resources, that we, as we're going throughout our daily life, and all of a sudden we're moved with compassion on somebody, now we move into action. And we help those people. It starts right here in the church. Next week, as we have a heart for the house, we're not just gonna be talking about bringing your big, biggest and your best for this you know, big thing we have going on within the church. We're also launching our giving tree for the, the holiday season. What is the giving tree? This is where people in the church uh, anonymously can say, hey, I have a need. And they can put it on that tree, and then other people in the church that have abundance right now can go take that need off the tree, purchase that gift, not even knowing who it's for, and bring that gift back, and then the other person gets blessed. Starts right here in the church. But then it goes beyond the church as we see people in need. Gotta take care of your family. Pay your taxes. Take care of the poor. And lastly, we'll end with this one. Give to the work of the ministry. Give to the work of the ministry. Back to our theme verse. Uh, it says this, don't, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Instead, hey, take the resources. We understand it's all God's. It's not mine. It's all his. So take your resources. You've fed your family. 
you've taken care of them. They have clothes and they have a place to live and they have shelter. And man, you've paid your taxes, which is you, what, what, what you need to do so you can live in this great country. And man, you've been, you've been helping out with those in need. Here's, here's what you gotta do. I want you to take now your resources and I want you to further the kingdom mission. I want you to further the kingdom plan. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about, hey, all of this excess you have. Now listen to me. If you want to go on a fun trip and you want to buy some fun things, listen, I bought a motorcycle. I love it. It's fun to ride around. I got a used one. It cost me $3,800. Okay? And it's fun. Plus right now it's saving me on gas because gas is like $30 a gallon. So actually, I'm being a great steward of the resources. Thank you very much. Everybody should buy a motorcycle. No, I'm just kidding. Um, someone just wrote that down like, pastor, pastor told me I could, babe. Some of the husbands should be jotting that down. Pa pastor said in service I should get one. I'm, I need to be a good steward. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Don't twist my words, people. But that after you've paid your taxes and after you've taken care of your family, now, again, this isn't necessarily in order because we're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to see this in just a minute. And you, you've, all of this stuff that's left over, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. We need to be, we need to be man, let, let's, let's do what we can to get people to heaven. Are you with me? That's what the Bible's saying. Matter of fact, um, let me read you a couple of verses. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. How do I do that? Well, we'll talk about it in a minute. I mean, and we already have by doing these previous three things. But honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. Then you will fill your barns with grains and your vats will overflow with good wine, okay? Luke 16, for time's sake, won't go into it, but just jot it down, Luke 16. It's a parable. Jesus shares this parable about this guy who had, had lots of property, lots of finances, and he had someone helping him steward the finances. Well, the owner of it all finds out that the, the steward is actually stealing and not, not doing what he's supposed to do. The Bible says he calls the steward in and says, hey, get your stuff in order because you're done. You're fired. Boom. And this steward goes and finds this shrewd way to get a bunch of money in for his, for his boss. And his boss looks at the steward and is like, man, that was, that was actually pretty good. Now I'm paraphrasing this. But then Jesus uses that parable to say, hey, listen. The sons of the earth, meaning the unbelievers, are more shrewd when it comes to finances than you as believers are. And, here's the, and then he goes on to tell the prince, here's what I want you to do with your finances. I want you to take the finances and I want you to use them for kingdom good, thus storing up souls in eternity. That's, that's the parable. How do we do that? Well, we give to whatever is promoting the gospel. Whatever is furthering the kingdom, a local church, a ministry that we're a part of, whatever it is, we give there, and as we give there, we know that it's going into good place, good soil, good hands, so that the gospel could be preached, that people could be reached, 400 plus people walking through our parking lot last Sunday night because of your generosity and because of your giving. Many of them may never come to church, but all of them know there's a church that actually cares about the things that they care about. And many of them stopped to thank us, and many of them stopped to say, man, like, like so many people offered me prayer. I, I got prayer, prayed for by so many people. What were we doing? We're extending the kingdom. And so here's what the Bible's saying. The Bible is saying, hey, 
you need to do that with your resources. You need to give to the ministry. So then the question becomes, how do I do that? How do I give to the ministry? Well, in the Old Testament, and we'll break this down a little bit further here. In the Old Testament, now this would be under the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, most, most people look at it and say, well, that's under the law. So let's look at it. Under the law, how did they do that? How did they bring the resources? Well, they brought the resources, and under the law, under the Mosaic Covenant, it was demanded that 10% of everything be brought in. And they would bring it to the temple. Okay? And this was the, the, the yearly tithe, or the, actually the, 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 the ongoing tithe that they would bring in. And the ongoing tithe was to sustain the priests, the Levites, because they weren't given a portion of land. Instead, God was taking care of them through that tenth that would come in. Tithe just simply means tenth. Additionally, every year, there would be a, um, a celebration tithe. So the children of Israel would celebrate these big festivals yearly. And in order to pay for that, in order to have that happen, they would give an additional 10% so that they could have these celebrations that everybody would be able to partake in, okay? Because here's what you gotta understand. What you gotta understand is this is a nation. And this nation was a theocracy, it was under God. And God said, okay, I'm gonna have the, pre the priests, the Levites, mediate and do what they need to do for this nation. So they would give their 10% ongoing, it would come in, it would take care of the Levites, and then once a year they'd give 10% and it would go for the celebrations, and then every third year, according to scripture, they would bring in another 10th, which was to help for the poor, okay? So this is how they did. So they would bring it to the temple, and that's how they would give. How was it done in the New Testament? In the New Testament, according to Acts, here's what they did. Acts chapter four, I'm gonna read it to you. It should be on the screen so you can look it up. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. So all the believers were unified in heart and mind. And they felt that, they, uh, th that what they owned was not their own. Which is the correct thinking because everything belongs to God. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified power, powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There was uh, no needy people among them because those who owned land and houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and, give it to, uh, and they would give it to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed uh, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and he came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So in the New Testament, what did they do? They brought what they had and they laid it at the feet of the apostles and the apostles now were entrusted to take that and begin to distribute that to all that had need. Are you with me? This is how it happened. The funds come in, the funds go out. The funds come in, they go out. They bless the community, they bless the people, they, they, they take care of the poor, they, and, and so they're giving to the ministry. Now here's the big question that always comes up, going back to my joke at the very beginning. Okay, pastor, I'm supposed to give how much? How much, okay? And here's what I'm gonna tell you right up front. That's between you and God. That's between you and God. Let me share with you a couple of, a couple of scriptures and a couple of thoughts. How much do I give? In the Old Testament, there is, there is this idea of a, what's called a tithe throughout all of scripture, starting in Genesis, runs through the, uh, the Mosaic Covenant, even hits into the New Testament. Jesus talks about it, okay? Um, it kind of dies out with Paul, and Paul doesn't really talk about it, okay? 
Here's the principle we see in Scripture, though. The very beginning in Genesis, um, when God created man and woman, and boom, put them on the earth, and they begin to multiply. We see that Cain and Abel came to bring an offering, which was whatever they were raising at the time, crops or, or animals, and came to, came to bring them to honor God. Now, if you look back, Cain's, Cain's offering wasn't acceptable to God, and that ended up be, being because of a heart issue. But Abel's was. Where did they learn this? I don't know if they learned it from, I don't know if they learned it from their father, Adam, and, and Adam demonstrated, hey, here's, here's generosity, and you ought to do this. And here's what I do know. Um, according, according to the, the scripture, it was a heart thing. Thus, Abel's was received because his heart came. It's like, man, God, I love you so much, and I'm going to offer this to you. Man, you've been so good to me. You've blessed me. And it came from this place of a free will gift to God. Cain's heart's wrong. We see this idea again of tithe in Genesis 14, 20, when a guy named Abraham uh, meets somebody named Melchizedek and notices that Melchizedek is wealthy and is, is abundant and is a person of significance. And the Bible says that Abraham came and gave him a tenth of everything he had. Again, up to this point, nowhere in Scripture does it say, hey, you have to give 10% of everything you have. It was just this baseline thing that Abraham just felt compelled in his heart. I don't know if it's something he learned, it's not clear to me in Scripture, or if it's just something he came up with on his own. But he gave this 10%, and he blessed them. Then we get to the, the, the law, the law of Moses. And now, the things I just mentioned to you Hey, give 10% to take care of the Levites. Give 10% for the celebrations and give 10% for the poor. Under the law, this wasn't free will. This was mandated. You have to do it, okay? But can I give you a little context? The context is these people came out of slavery. Go back and read everything that was laid out for them. Here's how you ought to bathe. Here's how you ought to use the restroom. Here, literally, everything laid out for them. What's happening? God is trying to get them back to a place of freedom. But he's got to get them out of slavery first. And so he comes and he institutes these things and says, here's what you're going to do, here's what you're going to do, here's what you're going to do. It wasn't to be burdensome. It was to actually get them to the ultimate place of freedom when Christ would come. Isn't that what Galatians talks about? Galatians says, hey, you know, that, that, that the law, man, it's a tutor. It's to point them to Jesus, the place of ultimate freedom. Jesus comes on the scene and he actually says um, that in, in Matthew 23, 23, that you ought to tithe. Wasn't mandated, but remember, Jesus was still under the Mosaic covenant at the time. Now, we also know that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Is this too, too much teaching this morning? He came to fulfill it, okay? This idea, though, of tithe in Scripture seen throughout all of it, okay? And this I'm going to share with you as your pastor. To me, I can see where people go and say, man, tithe is not scriptural. I can also see where people go and say, tithe is absolutely scriptural, Okay? So now you're sitting there saying, Pastor, which one do you think? <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll say this. To me, the verdict's still out. Okay? And here's why. It's still out because what happens is as Scripture progresses, 
And Paul says, or uh, Peter talks about bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, and then Paul begins to bring you know, the gospel to all these people. It says, hey, we can't make this too burdensome, so here's, here's the only things that we should, we should ask of them. And tithe isn't one of them. Paul doesn't actually teach a tithe principle. Instead, Paul teaches something different. I want to read it to you. Okay, and then we're going to wrap it up. Worship team, come on up. Paul teaches something different. Because ultimately, again, remember, it's a heart issue. If, and, and now I'm talking to some believers, some people, maybe people that, that grew up in church. If you're sitting there arguing against the tithe principle to get out of generosity and giving, then you've got a wrong heart. If you're approaching the tithe 10th principle as a matter of what does scripture say and how do we investigate this theologically, then that's a conversation we can have. But if my whole goal in railing against other places or churches I've been a part of, or maybe even this church, because I know I've, I've promoted 10%, and I'll tell you why in just a minute, um, and you're saying, I don't think so, I don't, I don't want to, and you're doing it from a place of, I just, I want to get out of that. Like, I don't want to give, okay? Then it might be a heart issue. So no matter what you think about the 10th, the, the 10%, the first part, and the, that first 10 going, here's what you need to see in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Paul teaching the church of Corinth about generosity and about giving, specifically finances. Specific context is actually making sure the, the poor are taken care of, the needy. But the principle is this. But this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is what Paul says. Paul doesn't address how much you ought to give. Instead, he addresses the heart. And he says, hey, look, let me read on. So that each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. Here's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, if you want a lot, give a lot. That's what it says. Pastor, you preaching a prosperity gospel? No, I'm preaching the gospel. It says it right there. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. So if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're reaping a little in your life, maybe look at what you're sowing. That's the scripture. If you want to reap a bunch, sow a bunch. But here's what he says, but it's a hard issue. If you're doing it because someone else is demanding that you do it, and they're compelling that you do it, and you're doing it grudgingly and not willfully, don't give it all. That's what he's saying. Don't do it. Because it's a hard issue. Because at the end of the day, God can do whatever he wants. He can move however he wants. He can say whatever he wants. He can use whatever. I mean, he used donkeys in the Bible. He spoke through a serpent in Genesis. He can do whatever he wants. It's a hard issue. But if you want a lot, sow a lot. If you want a little, sow a little. But whatever you do, make sure the heart is in the right place and purpose in your own heart. Don't give grudgingly out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. That's, that's what God loves. God wants you to come freely and willfully bringing whatever you purposed in your heart and give it to him. And if you just sow a little, that's totally okay, but know that you're gonna reap a little. 
And if you want to sow a lot, good. Know that you're going to reap a lot. But the greatest thing God cares about is your heart. He wants a cheerful heart. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. No matter where you're at with the tithe issue, it don't matter. Where's your pastor at? Here's what I've done. Here's what we've done since the day we're married. And we said, we're gonna tithe. We're gonna give, that means 10%. We're gonna give 10%. But I'll tell you this, that started out as a legalistic thing. It started out with, I need to give 10%. Why? Well, because well, my pastor told me I need to. And I'm not a very good Christian if I don't. I may not even be a Christian if I don't. And so we gave 10%. But I'll be honest with you, it was out of this, it was, it was more out of this fear. It wasn't, it wasn't free will at the, in that moment. It was like, I need to do this. I have to do this. I mean, the Bible says I have to do it. My pastor said I have to, I have to do it. But I'll tell you what, my heart has changed. Because that's what God ultimately wants. And under the law, it wasn't free will. Before the law, it was free will. Under the law, it wasn't free will. After the law, or Jesus coming and fulfilling the law, here's what Jesus says. Jesus is like, I want to get back to your heart. I want to I give 10%, that's fine. Give 20, give 30, give five. I just want you to give cheerfully. I want it coming from a good place. I want it coming from a good heart. But I have lived by this 10%. Here's why I've lived by 10%. For me personally, me and my wife. is because we've seen, as we give, the blessings of God. We actually give more than 10%. Not because somebody asked us to. But because, I, listen, I, we, here's our thought. We don't give in order to get. We give because we already got. We don't give because, hey, we need to do this so that we can have this blessing on our life. No, there's a blessing on our life. And because of that blessing, I can't help but give. I'm not in slavery anymore. I'm not, I'm not like the children of Israel coming out of slavery. I don't know what it is to be free. I know what it is to be free. I'm free in Jesus, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so it's easy for me to give because I'm giving cheerfully. Oh, you need something? Here you go. Oh, there's something coming up? Oh, let's do it. Because I'm free. And it's coming from a cheerful place and a joyful place. And so as, as for me and my house, we have decided we're gonna give 10% and above. Like for us, this is just us. For us, 10% is the baseline. And that's, we're gonna do it. We're just gonna keep doing it because we've seen the blessings of God over and over and over and over and over again in our life. But I cannot stand up here today as your pastor and say, you have to. But what I can say, is that if you want an abundance in your life, give generously. Give, are you with me today? Because here's the ultimate principle. I can give without loving, but I cannot love without giving. I can give grudgingly. I can give because I was compelled to, but listen to me, there's no way I can love without giving. Because my love for people, my love for God, my love for whatever it is. Listen, like, like you go to my Jeep on your way out and look and see how many basketballs are in my Jeep. I love basketball, unashamedly. And there are probably 15 basketballs in my Jeep right now. Now I didn't buy them all. I mean, they were used for the school and whatnot, but it's like, whoa, pastor's got a lot of basketballs. He must love basketball. I do. It's a hard thing. Where your treasure is, there your heart is, is also.
to hear the words of Paul to the church at Corinth. Hey, determine in your heart, whatever you're gonna do, do it and do it cheerfully. Are you with me today? Amen. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is amazing. I pray that, uh, Lord, today that, uh, Lord, maybe we talked about a subject that um, is sensitive to some. Uh, maybe we talked about a subject, God, that maybe people view differently. And God, I pray they would know that's okay. God, I pray that they would take these scriptures to heart and go and study and say, God, what are you asking me to do? God, what are you asking me to give? How are you asking me to steward my finances? God, we see some big ones that we have to live by, but God, what are you asking me? How much? What, where, where is it? Who is it? And God, we would be faithful to do that. And as we're faithful to do that, God, we would see your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that are uh, maybe struggling a little bit. Um, God, with this concept and with the idea of giving, I pray they would step out in faith and say, you know what, I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to give so that the gospel can be preached. I'm going to give so that the kingdom can be furthered. And they would see what happens in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Hey, real quick, um, on your way out, um, I've shared this before, and I do, really do mean this that um, if you have never tried giving, you've never, you've, never, you've never sowed into the poor, find a way to do it this week. You haven't paid your taxes, shame on you, make it up. Um, take care of your family. But last, I'll challenge you in this. Hey, if you've never stepped in, in faith, and said, I'm gonna start sowing into the kingdom, I wanna encourage you to do that because I know this, and I love this. God will always bless generous givers because he knows that they'll be able to give even more generously. And so take a chance, see what happens. God bless you. Have fun in your small groups this week. Um, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here right now. Love to pray for you about whatever's going on in your life, uh, in your heart. Love to meet you. So I get some of the small group leaders up here, some of the pastors up here. And then Heart for the House next weekend. Be here. We're going to be sharing some of the great things God's been doing through the church. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.